You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Falato, joined as always by Chris Fleming. Chris, we know who is playing in the Super Bowl out here in the desert, out in Glendale, Arizona. It is, unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles who defeated the 49ers 31-7 to in the NFC Championship game, and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who beat the Bengals 23-20. to Very interesting game. We're going to go over both of these games. This is going to be the Kelsey Bowl, which is exciting, Chris. <laughs> but we want to talk about something else before we get into these games. But before we do that, Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. It was an exciting Sunday. Also, fun Sunday. It was my uncle's birthday, so got to do that. Have some uh, homemade cake, some pizza, that sort of thing. What kind of cake? All, all, uh, a vanilla cake with a German buttercream frosting. German buttercream frosting. Look at you, Chris Flum. You treat yourself, my friend. <laughs> well, it was really more my aunt's doing than anything else. <laughs> That's excellent. I just, but ate, yeah. I just ate the cake. I just ate the cake. <laughs> you just showed up and ate it. That's great, man. So before we get into these games, let's talk about big news in the NFC East. And no, not those damn Philadelphia Eagles. No, not the Empire State Building dressing themselves up in green. I do not know what that was about. Did not like that. But we're talking about Kellen Moore, the former offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, who parted ways with the Cowboys. Reportedly, it was amicable. Both sides said that they would like to pursue other opportunities. It seems like, and I don't think it's official yet, but Kellen Moore is going to be the offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. That's excellent for him. But what do you make of this? It looks like Mike McCarthy might end up calling the plays. It's a pretty interesting situation, and I wasn't really necessarily expecting them to part ways with Kellen Moore. Yeah, I did not have that on my bingo card. I I honestly always kind of got the feeling like Kellen Moore was just biding his time to where he could take over being the Cowboys head coach. This does kind of have the feeling to me of Kellen Moore wants to get out to like I said, explore other opportunities, try to improve his resume so he can make that jump to being a head coach. And Mike McCarthy was kind of covering his butt after the way the Cowboys season ended. Yeah, Dallas had a really strong team this year, and they just kind of fizzled out. (laughs) They kind of fizzled out, and you look at what they did in the playoffs against the 49ers. They only put up 12 points in that loss, but again, the 49ers have a very good defense. But in the wild card round, they did put up 31 points, and when you look at the Dallas Cowboys on the season, especially against, I could speak, I guess we could speak personally, not from a personal standpoint, but just from watching the tape, The Giants, I always felt like Kellen Moore had the upper hand on Wink Martindale and the Giants defense. Now, Cowboys personnel is better than the New York Giants, but even from an X's and O's and a scheme standpoint, it seemed like Kellen Moore had a lot of answers against what Wink Martindale wanted to do. You can go back to week three against the Giants when the Dallas Cowboys beat the Giants 23 to 16 on Monday night football. 
it was like Kellen Moore looked at the Giants roster and it's not even that difficult, but he was just like, okay, Austin Calitro and Tay Crowder are the starting linebackers. Cool. Watch this. And they just ran to the edges every time and forced those linebackers to attempt to scrape over the top and it did not work. And the Giants were exploited. And I just always kind of respected his play calling, but now the Giants don't have to deal with them in division. And it looks like it's going to be Mike McCarthy calling plays for them Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that that at least is what it seems like it's going to be right now. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what else develops down there in Texas. Uh, the, the Cowboys, they, they always seem to have a way of making things a little bit more dramatic than they necessarily need to be. But I, I will be glad to not have to see Kellen Moore's offensive scheme again, at least not anytime soon. This is probably very good news for Justin Herbert because – Moore really is one of the bright young offensive minds in the NFL. And like you said, we saw how he was able to exploit the Giants defense, basically pick his targets, pick his matchups, his mismatches, and then use them against the defense. So I, I'll be glad to not see that anymore in those two games against Dallas, uh, we'll have to see what happens with Mike McCarthy, how much of the offense is his, how much, what kinds of offense he decides to run, whether or not any of Kellen Moore's scheme basically sticks around because it was successful, even though it didn't end well for Dallas. They got a lot of production out of that roster now granted that they have a very good roster but they still use their players very well they did they use their players well and you're right i think kellen moore is going to do wonders for justin herbert this past year with justin herbert throwing less yards per attempt than daniel jones in the giants offense was was something kind of crazy when you look at what justin herbert can do stretching the field even though they could probably use another speed threat along with mike williams and keenan Allen. but this isn't a chargers podcast this is a new york giants podcast even though today we're kind of going over more generally what happened in the playoffs so let's transition chris to these two playoff matchups look the philadelphia eagles went in there and they beat the crap out of the 49ers but if we're going to be objective here and we're going to look at everything the 49ers suffering that injury to Brock Purdy early on in the game absolutely hindered their ability to compete. I mean, they weren't even passing the football in the second half. They were just running the football, especially after Josh Johnson got hurt. Like you see Josh Johnson in the game. That says one thing about what's going on, right? You're, you're in desperation mode. And then he down and Christian McCaffrey is almost the quarterback. Just a wild NFC championship game, Chris. But man, what I really want to bring up about both of these games, the Eagles win and the Chiefs win, the pass rush. Because we know the New York Giants, Chris, have this pass rush that is, I feel like, developing into one of the more feared pass rushes in the league, especially if Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojalari can stay healthy. But if Kayvon Thibodeau can progress like we hope he can, then I think the Giants will be able to get after the passer, maybe not like the Chiefs and the Eagles did in this specific matchup, but that's the goal, right? You have a big guy like... Dexter Lawrence, who's a completely different player than Chris Jones. You have Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari. You're trying to add all of these pass rushers to develop the, the game plan that we saw the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs have success with. It's not like they were just blitzing all the time. They could if they wanted to, but they can rush for it and get pressure because when your offensive line can't block Chris Jones, when your offensive line can't block Hassan Reddick, 
you can just drop guys into coverage and you can double team players and then you can get home. And that's what the Chiefs were doing. And that's what the Eagles were doing. Well, the Eagles didn't have to, but that's what they could have done. So what do you make, Chris, of of these oppo- of these pass rushes from the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs and how they really led these teams to their conference championship? Yeah, well, these were the two best pass rushes in the NFL this year. We've We've seen the Eagles pass rush up close and personal three times now. We know how good they are. They, so far this year, since the start of the 2022 season, the Eagles have 78 sacks. That is absolutely absurd. I I think you brought up in a previous podcast that they have had the most sacks since, like, what, the 2000 Ravens or something like that. And their ability to really dictate what the offense is able to do when they are allowed or not allowed to pass the ball is just incredible for their defense. Yes, their run defense is not great, but NFL teams have to throw the ball. Like as we saw with the 49ers, if you cannot throw the ball, you are just not going to win in the NFL. You you might be able to eke out a win here and there, but you are not going to be able to win consistently. And when your quarterback is under the kind of duress that Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson and Brock Purdy again, even though he wasn't throwing and just kind of handing the ball off, yeah, th- that makes it incredibly hard for for an offense to function at the NFL level. I mean, the Eagles had a had a 33% quarterback hit rate and a 73% pressure rate. That is absolutely absurd. And I th- that is the kind of level to which the Giants are aspiring right now. You know, they are... Joe Shane talked about closing the talent gap. And I think it would behoove the Giants to really look at the Chiefs, look at the Eagles, and see how they are constructed. Because even though the Giants did make the playoffs, they are also still a rebuilding team. And that their goal, I think, is to get to where the Chiefs and Eagles are. To get to where the Chiefs and Eagles are, absolutely. And you're right, man. The Philadelphia Eagles, they didn't even have to blitz all that much. They blitzed, I think, 38% of the time, but that all mostly came later on in the game when the San Francisco 49ers just couldn't do anything. And You could just blitz, and you could just clog a lot of the run holes because they just anticipated the fact that – you were going to run the football because they knew you could not pass the football, which obviously ended up being a, a huge, huge problem for the San Francisco 49ers. Just a really kind of anticlimactic way for that game to end and that season to end. It was a pretty unique season in the sense that you're on your third string quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, playing in the NFC champ- Championship game. But Philadelphia Eagles are just a powerhouse right now, just an absolute powerhouse. And when you look over at the Kansas City Chiefs and what they were able to do, with Chris Jones, I felt like that was interesting in the sense that you look at Dexter Lawrence, right? Dexter Lawrence is 342 pounds. Chris Jones is about 315 pounds. And you could see how Spags was employing him. He was using him as a five technique, using him as a four eye. Mostly Dexter Lawrence was an A-gap player, meaning he was playing nose directly over the center or a one shade. So those are two different types of players. But you saw the impact that a player like Chris Jones can have, especially when the opposing offensive line is somewhat 
beat up, right? Because Chris Jones, I think you have it here in the notes, man. The Chiefs had five sacks in his game with Joe Burrow. Chris Jones had the second most quarterback hits in a playoff game, which was five, since 2000, which is kind of crazy. And then you had in the notes as well that DeMarcus Ware had the most. So Chris Jones was a true difference maker here. And if you remember, a lot of the times when they showed the All-22 during the broadcast, Steve Spagnuolo was using a lot of quarters type of coverage, and he was double teaming. Jamar Chase, he was double teaming the slot sometimes. He was double teaming T. Higgins some of the times as well. There were times when it was like a three-by-one trip set, and then they would leave single coverage for T. Higgins on the uh, backside as the backside one. But it just seemed like the game plan for Spags was we're going to pressure when we're going to pressure, but we're also going to rely on Chris Jones to do what Chris Jones does and the other pass rushers, because I can't remember the one other pass rusher name, but he was also getting pressure. But we're going to double team Jamar Chase. We're not going to allow you to create these types of explosive plays. We trust our front four when we don't blitz to get home. And it seemed like it worked. Yeah. And in some ways, that was similar to how the Giants played the Minnesota Vikings. Bracket, double team, Justin Jefferson and trust their front four to get home, to pressure Kirk Cousins, to disrupt the play before it even really gets going. And it was effective. Now, I I don't expect the Giants to be running a whole lot of quarters coverage next year or, you know, down the line, at least, at least as long as Wink Martindale is the Giants' <laughs> defensive coordinator. That could obviously change but it is interesting to see the the similar concepts at work and work well for two teams against two very different opponents yes two very different opponents you gotta look man like there were there was a third and nine where joe burrow was sacked in the first quarter i think that was to end the Bengals' first drive there was a second and seven where burrow was sacked and a lot of these times it's just joe burrow kind of double clutching because the Kansas City Chiefs had two players high, and both of those players were reading the releases of these wide receivers and then attaching to whatever they were doing. It just did not seem like there were a lot of true one-on-one matchups where Joe Burrow could just hit his back foot and fire the football. But one of the other big storylines in this game, Chris, was the officiating. And I wasn't going to bring it up, but it was pretty bad. Now, I'm not sitting here being conspiratorial or saying that you know the, the, the NFL wanted Patrick Mahomes in there. It just seemed to me to be very inept officiating and at that level man when you're in the championship game it's just kind of frustrating when you're watching it and and you see a lot of calls kind of go one way and i'll say that albeit you know i I think it's fair we got to point out the chiefs had a touchdown removed from a kind of a eh, kind of holding penalty on andrew wiley too but man dude the uh the replicated third and nine that the chiefs got that was that was one situation that is just preseason type of stuff you cannot allow that to happen in the afc championship game yeah and uh I think the NFL does need to look at the officiating league-wide because we saw quite a few games where the the officials I had kind of an outside or outsized rather influence. They, I'm not going to say like you said, don't want to be conspiratorial. Don't want to say they put their thumb on the scale, but there were quite a few games this year with either bad calls, no calls, whatever, in key moments that kind of changed the flow of the game that really were moments around which the game pivoted. And you don't want to see any game be changed by the officiating crew. 
No, you don't want to see that at all. All right, Chris, before we get into the rest of the podcast, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chris. The Philadelphia Eagles are a very frustrating team to play, right? Because it's, it's easy to say this, and I think it's true. They have the best roster top-down. The most complete roster, I feel like Howie Roseman, their general manager, has done an absolutely amazing job constructing that team. But if you look at them, and the Giants didn't even have the opportunity to to see this, to witness this in the divisional round, the Eagles, they can beat you running the football. They have one of the best offensive lines in the league. They can beat you with their explosive, potent playmaking ability. Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. They can also beat you with Jalen Hurts' decision-making on the zone read in the RPO game, which we saw how much it frustrated the 49ers' second-level defenders, the RPO game. They're just really, really difficult to defend. And that's not even bringing up the fact that they have a top two, top three defense in the league. Probably you can even say one, right? And they had 70 sacks this year. They can get after you with Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham. Josh Sweat. I mean, the list goes on and on. Their secondary is good. They're an absolutely amazing football team. And that's why, Giant fans, we need to, we need to really be rooting for Patrick Mahomes because this game, it's, it's, uh, we don't want the Philadelphia Eagles to get their second Super Bowl. I mean, I know it's only their second, but still, we do not want that, right? But when you look at how the Eagles can defeat their opponents, there are so many ways they can do it. They have a variety of skills in their toolbox. And I think that is one of the one of the hopes as a New York Giants fans that this offense and that this team can develop all of those different varieties because it just keeps you so balanced as a football team. And I think we're seeing that right now with the Philadelphia Eagles, albeit their uh, path to the Super Bowl was, I would say, I guess, a little bit more easier than, than some of the some other teams. Yeah, the 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 ways in which Philly and also Kansas City can beat you it, it really prevents any any opponent from taking away what you do best or what they do best because they can you try to take away their passing game they can pivot to running the ball if you try to take away the run game they can throw if you happen to have a fantastic defense that allows you to take away both well they are going to shut down your your offense and even within those various uh 
ways in which they can beat you. They can attack vertically. They can play the quick game. They can run the ball. They can sequence plays off of those running plays. So that just makes it very, very difficult to find a weakness to exploit. And also, one of the things that has always stood out to me, especially about the Kansas City Chiefs and how they play offense, is that they are they are very unconventional in a lot of ways. They don't have that true number one wide receiver. In this game, in this championship game, Pat Mahomes found 10 different receivers, and they had four different non-quarterbacks carrying the ball. I think they're highest uh highest carry total was 10 for any one player so when you can spread the ball around that much and get production from pretty much everybody that that really limits the opposing defense's ability to take away your best player you know in the first half we talked about how spags took away Jamar Chase and how Wink Martindale took away Justin Jefferson. Not having that one central piece through which you have to force feed your offense, yeah, that in some ways makes it much more difficult to defend as long as you're able to use all of your secondary offensive pieces. There aren't too many teams in the NFL that are built like the Chiefs, well, there aren't any that are built like the Chiefs because there's only one Pat Mahomes, but where your number one threat is a tight end, yeah, and then you can build all of these, you know, have uh, guys like Kadarius Toney and uh, McKinnon and, you know, all of these secondary or tertiary offensive threats and just distribute the ball around and even if anybody nobody gets over 20 yards all of those little yardage gains they add up when you start getting the ball out to 10 different guys you got to think about what happened in that game too i mean this is a team the chiefs they're they're balanced in terms of their how they allocate their personnel and, and distribute it on the field like they're not just purely 11 personnel on the season they ran i think about 56% of their plays out of 11 personnel about 28 out of 12. They even ran some 13, about 10%. But 12 and 13 had to get bumped up significantly in this game because Kadarius Toney got hurt. Juju Smith-Schuster got hurt. Justin Watson didn't dress. Miko Hardman got hurt. So they were down the basically MBS, and then they were just using a lot of like 12 and 13 personnel packages. And they still were able to somewhat move the football efficiently and, and score. And a lot of that was due to Patrick Mahomes doing an excellent job of reading what the defense's intentions were, picking up the fact that they were going to blitz, helping the protection get set, and then finding the voids within the blitz. There was one third down play where he hit MVS on, on like a, I think it was like a third and seven or a third and eight, and MVS ended up picking up the first down, and that kind of helped lead them to the MVS touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is MVS. A little bit later on in the game, you just like look and you're like, man, that, that is such a product of the quarterback putting his players into position to have success and then executing it in the face of the pressure. And like you said, man, there's only one Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is an, he's an elite quarterback, one of the best that this game has ever seen. And he's going to another Super Bowl. But you're right, man. It's uh, 
it's pretty crazy they were able to spread the football out that much and then also have the resilience to to stay in that game despite the fact that they lost three wide receivers due to injury. Yeah, and I think that also speaks to how both of these two championship teams are built. Yeah, the Chiefs and the Eagles both have looked for pretty much every opportunity to improve their roster. And they don't just build through the draft. They use the trade market. They have signed uh, veteran free agents. They've gone through and like, <clears throat> sorry. Do, 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 do. Yeah, they have added, uh, they've added veterans through trades. So finding all of those little areas in which you can add talent to your team and never stop adding talent. That's one, that's another thing both of these two teams did throughout the season. They just kept adding talent and kept plugging holes that I think the Giants can really learn from. And I think it is kind of low-key important that that the Giants have Brandon Brown in their front office just behind Joe Shane because Brandon Brown came from the Philadelphia Eagles. He learned under Howie Roseman. So I really I really feel like that is an area of team building that the Giants haven't had before, but we could see them exploit in 2023. I love what you put down in the notes here, Chris. Have a cohesive plan and a team vision. And this Giants team has that. Right. And if you go back to when the Philadelphia Eagles took Jalen Hurts in the second round, I think that was the 2020 NFL draft. They had Carson Wentz on the team. And a lot of people were like, well, why the hell are they doing that? They have Carson Wentz. They just signed Carson Wentz to this huge deal. But look at them now. Right. They are in a position. They're in the Super Bowl last year, even. Jalen Hurts lost. I think it was the wild card round in Tampa Bay. He still needed a lot of work as a passer, but the kid developed as a passer and is now a possible MVP candidate. He might not win. It might be Patrick Mahomes. But regardless of the fact, man, that risk and that, I don't even know if risk is the right word, but that draft pick ended up working out and the vision kind of came to fruition. And we've just seen how Howie Roseman has built this team. It's excellent. I honestly believe Joe Shane is going to do the same thing here in New York. I, I feel like the Giants are in some of the best hands they've been in in quite a while. And I'm hoping that Shane can find a way to to make this NFC East race uh, a lot more competitive and a lot better in the near future. Yeah, and I, just spinning ahead just a little bit, I fully expect the Giants to work out contract extensions with Dexter, with Dexter Lawrence and Andrew Thomas, in part because of the presence of uh, Brandon Brown. That is one of the ways in which Howie Roseman has been able to consistently navigate the salary cap. The Eagles are very proactive about extending players about as soon as they can. So yes, that does mean you're paying more for a player than you would if you just let him ride out his rookie contract. But it also means you aren't trying to sign a player to a second contract when they have basically all of the leverage and their price has gone up. If Dexter Lawrence keeps improving, if he if he truly takes that next step and is in that Chris Jones, Aaron Donald conversation for defensive tackle, it will be a lot more expensive to re-sign him after next year than it would be to extend him this year. 
Yeah, and it's going to be fun to monitor what exactly this Giants team is going to do. But Chris, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Nope. I think we're just... I'm looking forward to getting back to the tape for the draft because, hey, we've got the East-West Shrine game and the Senior Bowl this week. Same week. I don't like that, by the way. Yeah, no. It, it You kind of have to divide your attention. You can't really focus on any one game and really dive into those prospects. I understand why the two, uh, why the Shrine game would want to compete with the Senior Bowl, but it, it would be nice to give them both maybe a little bit more room to breathe. But hey, we've got what are usually some pretty good games. The Giants are always scout both games very heavily. So that really should tide us over until the Super Bowl. And there's also like first round talent in the Shrine game too. It's not even yeah. just like it used to be where it was like all the top talent goes to the Senior Bowl. Shrine actually is competing with them. But you're right, Chris. And we will uh, we will be studying both of those games over at Big Blue View. And we are going to be consistently putting out content during the offseason about your beloved New York football giants. But for now, we're going to head out of here. Thank you for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, everybody, head on over to the website. Like and subscribe and comment to this podcast and also just take care of each other and have a lovely day. Bye-bye now. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.